The following content contains adult subject matter, including descriptions of sexual violence, and is intended for adult consumption only. It may not be suitable for all audiences, therefore discretion is advised. When most of us think of a yoga teacher, we imagine a kind, spiritual, trustworthy person, someone dedicated to helping us improve our minds and bodies. But what if you found out that the teacher who had transformed your life had a dark secret? Could you separate the guru from the monster? Welcome to Whistleblowers, a Spotify original from Parcast. In this series, we explore the biggest lies in history through the eyes of the whistleblowers who risked everything to expose them. From the doctors who unmasked a con artist surgeon to the woman who lost it all when she stumbled into one of the biggest health crises in history. In this episode, we tell the story of the women who revealed the truth behind Hollywood's favorite yoga guru. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad, too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes ranging from $50 to $500, Money Maker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. The Hargan women seem to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover inside the house there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. In the summer of 2005, Bikram Chowdhury's classroom in downtown Los Angeles felt like a furnace. Condensation dripped down the mirrors lining the walls, and in the corners, large machines pumped out more and more heat. The students had placed their mats in long, cramped rows, facing their Indian yoga master. To get a place on the Bikram teacher training program, you had to prove you were willing to push your body and mind to its limits. In the center of the room, watched by the 400 students around her, Sarah Bond stood tall on her mat, next to the master himself. She took a deep, relaxing breath and bent at the waist, slowly stretching her leg out behind her. She pushed it up towards the ceiling, while Bikram helped her find her balance. As she moved into standing splits, applause broke out amongst the other students. Blushing, Sarah gently brought her leg back to the floor. Bikram joined in with the applause and made his way to the front of the room, where he addressed the class. The 60-year-old yogi instructed his students to stretch out on their backs in savasana pose for the long-awaited cool-down. As they relaxed, he gently sang a Bollywood lullaby. Each class was harder than the last, but the deep sense of relaxation you felt at the end made it all worth it. 
With Bikram's sweet voice ringing around the studio, 20-year-old Sarah found a peace she hadn't felt in a long time. As a teenager, she'd been diagnosed with scoliosis, a chronic condition which caused her spine to twist. Doctors prescribed painkiller after painkiller, but nothing was working. By the time she went to college, she was told she would need major surgery. And then a friend suggested she try hot yoga at her local studio. One of the teachers there had trained under this guy called Bikram. He designed a unique sequence of 26 magical poses that would change her life. Sarah walked out of her first class feeling euphoric. The extreme heat and complex yoga stretches allowed her to move her spine in a way she had never thought possible. As the months went by, she found she could stretch further and further, and her mentor suggested she would make a great teacher. He recommended her for Bikram's training course in L.A. If she completed it with the guru himself, she would be able to teach all over the world and make a good living. When she was accepted onto the course, Sarah dropped out of college, borrowed thousands of dollars for the fees, and followed her dreams to L.A. In person, Bikram was shorter than she'd expected, and losing his hair a little. Because of the heat, he liked to teach in just a pair of black briefs and wore his hair in a high top knot. Sarah found him adorable and eccentric, and quickly became fond of the fatherly, spiritual guru who would come to change her life forever. Over the next few years, more and more yoga enthusiasts like Sarah flocked to Bikram's classes. His business flourished. By 2010, he had opened 650 studios all over the world. In each of them, trained instructors taught his unique series of 26 poses to tightly packed classes. This was yoga unlike any other. The heat, intimacy, and intensity gave students euphoric, addictive highs. Many had found Bikram at their lowest point. People who had been told they needed hip replacements found they weren't limping anymore. Students with depression suddenly felt hopeful again. After each class, students poured out into the streets evangelical, telling everyone who would listen about this life-changing guru and his magical yoga. Even celebrities like Serena Williams, David Beckham, and Madonna were fans. One of Bikram's most dedicated converts was a lawyer called Minakshi Jaffa Bowden, or Mickey to her friends. Three times a week, 40-year-old Mickey could be found working up a sweat in one of Bikram's central London studios. This petite, no-nonsense mum of one was born in Assam, India, and went on to do her legal training in the UK. There, she built a fearsome reputation in international litigation, but she always made time for yoga. By the winter of 2010, she had been going to Bikram classes for 10 years. It had become part of her identity, so when she was given the opportunity to meet Bikram Chowdhury and his wife Rajashree, she jumped at the chance. The couple wanted to hire a spiritual legal advisor who could help them manage their expanding business. 
To Mickey, it sounded like the perfect job, one that brought together her passion for hot yoga and her legal expertise. When they met, Bikram was so enchanted with her, he immediately offered her the chance to be part of his team. His wife would find her a luxury flat in L.A., her six-year-old daughter would have a fabulous new life in the sun, and everything would be taken care of, if only Mickey said yes. And so she did. In March of 2011, she picked up her entire life and moved across the world to L.A. Soon after she arrived, Rajashree picked her up and drove her to their mansion in the heights of Beverly Hills, pointing out the homes of the rich and famous in their neighborhood along the way. Rajashree explained that the key to their success was consistency. Wherever you went in the world, every Bikram studio delivered the same program, and teachers could only use Bikram's branding if they paid to attend his official training. Twice a year, more than 400 specially selected students packed into a luxury hotel for the course. Each paid more than $10,000 for the privilege of taking part. And as Rajashree drove up to the huge front doors of Bikram's Beverly Hills mansion, Mickey saw exactly where the money was going. Inside, their home was dripping with opulent art and ostentatious furniture. It wasn't exactly what you pictured when you thought of the word yogi. Bikram loved showy glitz and glamour and wore shiny silver suits and skin-tight leather t-shirts, a style Mickey recognized from 1960s Bollywood movies. She found it endearing and loved listening to him telling stories about his life in their shared home of India. Bikram was born in Kolkata, northern India, in 1946. When he was just five years old, his talent for yoga had been spotted by the yogi next door, a man named Bishnu Ghosh. Bikram told Mickey that under Bishnu's tutelage, he won the National Yoga Championships three times before he turned 15. In search of a new challenge, he then took up weightlifting and, according to Bikram, was so good that he was chosen to compete for India in the 1963 Olympics. But a few days before the competition, disaster struck when a set of heavy weights fell on him, crushing his leg. Fearing he would never walk again, Bikram tracked down his old yoga master, Bishnu. With his help, he healed himself and became a yoga master, dedicating his life to healing others through yoga. In fact, Bikram said he was such a good healer that in the early 1970s, he even treated President Richard Nixon during a trip to Hawaii. Nixon had been told his leg had to be amputated due to a complication from deep vein thrombosis. But after a few days with Bikram, he was cured and spared the amputation. The president was so grateful for his care that he secretly arranged for him to get a green card. Soon afterwards, Bikram made the move to California and founded the Bikram Yoga College of India in a basement in Beverly Hills. From there, he said he had built his empire from the ground up, attracting the attention of celebrities like Elvis Presley, Frank Sinatra, and Barbara Streisand. He was living the American dream. And in a way, thought Mickey, she was too. 
She was grateful to Bikram and his wife for giving her such a great opportunity and for welcoming her and her daughter into their lives as if they were family. At her large desk in Bikram's head office, she set to work as the new legal advisor. Over the next two months, she got to know the company's systems and the rest of the staff, who were as dedicated to hot yoga as she was. She was starting to feel at home in L.A., and her daughter was settling into her new school. Everything seemed to be falling into place. Until one morning in May 2011, she came into the office to find a thick file lying on her desk. A file outlining a legal case against Bikram. Coming up, Mickey discovers her boss and guru has a dark side. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. The lawsuit against Bikram was filed by a woman called Pandora Williams. In 2010, she had attended a nine-week teaching course in San Diego and had struggled to fit in. As an older black yoga teacher, she felt like an outsider when faced with row upon row of white 20-something devotees. But she believed in the power of Bikram's yoga and wanted to complete the course so she could share his message with others. So for seven weeks, Pandora had endured, until one class proved a step too far. Pandora alleged that towards the end of one session, as they lay relaxing, Bikram had launched into a shocking homophobic rant. Horrified that no one was questioning him, Pandora walked up to Bikram after class and asked him why he was preaching hate. Yoga was supposed to be about love— Pandora claims that at this, Bikram turned on her and snarled, We don't sell love here. Then he swore at her, using racist language, and ordered his assistant to eject her from the course. When he refused to refund her fee, Pandora found a lawyer. The Bikram that Pandora described was a world away from the one Mickey knew. He denied all the allegations, but if they were true, the whole company was in trouble. As the new in-house legal advisor, she was expected to protect Bikram from these allegations. In fact, she claims Bikram told her to make it all go away. Mickey was in an awkward situation, and she needed more information. Determined to get to the bottom of what had happened, she quietly launched her own investigation into Bikram's behavior. She started reaching out to staff and trainees to ask if they recognized this side of Bikram. At first, many refused to speak to her about the man who had transformed their lives. 
but Mickey made sure that everyone in the organization knew her door was always open. It took patience and countless cups of coffee, but eventually Bikram's disciples began to reveal the man behind the mask. What Mickey learned was troubling, to say the least. Bikram's methods were described as grueling and abusive. While they sweated through hours of yoga every day, Bikram barked instructions from a leather throne at the front of the room. The throne sat high above them and had an air conditioning unit hovering over it, fanning cold air directly onto Bikram, keeping him cool while many students passed out in front of him. Raised up like a deity, Bikram regularly compared himself to Buddha and Jesus. A witness claimed he once launched a torrent of abuse at a student who had forgotten that the color green was banned from his seminars. Another alleged that after a student failed to meet his high standards, he told the whole group it was because of the color of her skin. Women who left to use the bathroom or change their sanitary products were publicly humiliated as failures. And he told his students that to achieve greatness, they should eat and drink as little as possible. Anyone who resisted his demands was threatened with expulsion, and anyone who missed one of his lectures was told they'd lose their money and their teaching qualifications. Bikram saved his most outlandish statements for social gatherings he arranged with students and staff. He'd book a suite in the same hotel as his trainees, even when the course was in his hometown of L.A., and invite a selection of guests over to stay up with him late into the night while he watched movies or gave talks. On one occasion, he allegedly proclaimed that Hitler was a genius. On another, he told his students he could cure cancer and Parkinson's disease. Even more worrying were the rumors that Bikram was inviting solo female students into his hotel room at night. Over the next year, Mickey made a note of every allegation she heard. Each one added to a picture of a man who was losing touch with reality. A man who shouldn't be allowed to run the business any longer. She was torn. If the allegations were true, Bikram had to be stopped, of course, but she still believed in the power of his yoga. She knew how much it helped people. She didn't want all that to just go away. Perhaps Bikram just needed a wake-up call. A few months into her investigation, Mickey had the chance to deliver that call when Bikram asked her if they could meet one night. Most of her meetings with Bikram had occurred at the office or with Rajeshree at his home, but this time he told her to come to the presidential suite of the hotel that was hosting that year's training course. Mickey dressed in her best work suit and set off. Upon answering the door, Bikram motioned for Mickey to sit on the edge of the bed. Hesitantly, she did as she was told. Bikram paced back and forth in front of her. He started ranting about a young trainee who had made allegations of sexual assault against him on social media. He said it was all lies. Mickey claims he had told her that she had to go and shut the witnesses up. It wasn't the first time Mickey had heard this request. She calmly told Bikram that he had to stop bringing students back to his room. It wasn't appropriate. Bikram stopped pacing. He walked towards her and lay on the bed, patting the space next to him. He looked into Mickey's eyes. 
He was just so lonely, he said. Horrified, she stood up and left. The next morning, Mickey sat in on Bikram's training seminar. She claims that when he spotted her, he addressed the whole class, saying, My lawyer tells me I can't have a girl in my room, so I'm going to have two. Disgusted, Mickey resolved to continue her investigation. Reasoning with him clearly wasn't working, so in November 2012, Mickey went to the only person who had the power to remove Bikram from the business— his wife, Rajeshree. Rajeshree warmly welcomed Mickey into the mansion and offered her tea in the spacious marble lounge overlooking the pool. Mickey explained that Pandora's lawsuit was just the tip of the iceberg. Rajeshree's husband was losing his grip on reality, saying awful things in class, and there were rumors he was being unfaithful, predatory even. She told Rajeshree that it was time for a change— Maybe if Bikram stood down or just took a step back, they could start afresh and run the business in a kinder, fairer way. When Mickey looked up, all the warmth had drained from Rajeshree's face. She shook her head. According to Mickey, she told her she knew all about her husband's girls, but it wasn't wise for them to rock the boat. Think of your career, Mickey, and your daughter, she warned, as she politely but firmly ushered her out of the front door. Finding herself standing outside the mansion, door closed in her face, Mickey realized that if she wanted to change things, she'd have to do it alone. But it wouldn't be easy. Now that Bikram felt Mickey was onto him, his full manipulation began to show. She claims he withheld her wages, linked their phones together so he would know where she was at all times, and Mickey began to suspect that he'd hired someone to follow her. At this point, Mickey had been investigating Bikram for over 18 months. Her Hollywood dream had turned into a nightmare, but she was dependent on Bikram for everything. Leaving her job would mean losing her home and her life in L.A., She didn't have the money to leave and couldn't bring herself to rip her young daughter away from the school and friends she'd grown to love. In February 2013, things got even worse for Mickey when she was subpoenaed to give evidence in Pandora Williams' discrimination case. She says that when she told Bikram, he was furious. Frothing at the mouth, he screamed at her in rage. He threatened to make her homeless and even told her he had the power to have her deported back to India. But Mickey stood firm. She told him she had to answer the subpoena. At this, Mickey alleges that Bikram looked at her and said, Well, we'll just have to tell them we don't know where you are, won't we? A few days later, in March 2013, another legal document landed on Mickey's desk. Bikram was being sued by a woman called Sarah Bon. Sarah had beaten scoliosis to become one of Bikram's best-loved students, but now she was making shocking allegations against him. She claimed that after one of her first classes with Bikram in 2005, he had called her into his office and told her he wanted a relationship with her. She refused, horrified, and left the room. 
but she said that since then, he had touched her and talked to her inappropriately on several occasions. She alleged that over the years, at further training courses and competitions, his behavior had escalated until one night in 2008, it reached a whole new level. This episode is brought to you by Rakuten. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including headliners, Ulta, Ray-Ban, and Canon. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals during Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th. The cash back rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for Adidas and Fenty. You can save on everything you need for summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of Big Give Week's 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That evening had started innocently enough, Sarah said. Bikram had invited her and several other students and staff to his hotel room to watch Bollywood movies. He had put on video after video late into the night. Sarah had fallen asleep, and when she woke up, the rest of the group were leaving. Worried about being left alone with Bikram, Sarah hurried to put on her shoes, but found that she was the last one left in the room. She claimed that Bikram took this opportunity to proposition her. She says he pushed her up against the door and told her that if he didn't have her, he would die. Terrified, Sarah grasped for the door handle. Finally, after a struggle, she managed to escape. She explained she had kept quiet at the time because Bikram had total control over her career. She felt brainwashed. And she claimed he had told her that without him, she could never succeed. But now, five years later, Sarah had a young daughter. And for her sake, she couldn't keep silent any longer. Bikram denied Sarah's claims. And according to Mickey, asked her to make this lawsuit go away. But this time, Mickey thought of her own young daughter. She refused to help him bury the story. On the 14th of March, 2013, Sarah's lawsuit made headlines around the world. The next day, Mickey was called into Bikram's office, where he and several other members of senior staff were gathered. She was told that she had to resign immediately and that her green card sponsorship would be withdrawn. Mickey claims that when she told them that she refused to resign, the atmosphere turned hostile. She was told that if she didn't, things would be very bad for her. Backed into a corner and desperate to get out of the room, she caved. 
She hand-wrote a letter of resignation and walked out of the building for the last time. A couple of days later, Mickey returned home from taking her daughter to school to discover she couldn't turn any lights on. Then, her car was repossessed. Finally, she was told the lease on her apartment had been terminated. She had to leave right away. Mickey put her head in her hands and cried. Her situation felt hopeless. She'd have to upend her daughter's life once again if she couldn't find another way to stay in L.A. But as she cried, she also realized that she was free. Bikram didn't have the same hold over her anymore. It was a relief. Mickey wiped her face, straightened her shoulders, and started packing up her things. That evening, she and her daughter moved into a guest house. After Sarah's allegations hit the news, women across the world started to speak out about their experiences with Bikram, all of which he denied. One woman claimed that he had begged her for oral sex in his hotel room. Another alleged he had raped her in his home while his children slept upstairs. Mickey watched this all unfold before her. She thought of all the trainees who had signed up to Bikram's courses, full of the love of yoga and hope for the future. For years, she had kept her silence to keep her job. But now she had nothing left to lose. Mickey had met attorney Carla Menard when she'd represented Pandora Williams in her racial discrimination lawsuit against Bikram. She dug out Carla's phone number and asked if they could meet. Carla was a straight-talking civil rights lawyer who wasn't afraid to stand up to powerful men. She was pleased Mickey had come forward, but when they met in her office, she warned her it would take a long time to bring Bikram to justice. Mickey shared all the evidence she had with Carla, who told her that their best chance of stopping Bikram was suing him for the wrongdoing he had directed at Mickey. Some crimes were just easier to prove than others, and she was confident they could make a case for unlawful dismissal and sexual harassment. The assault allegations from the other women would take longer to get to court, but she was determined that Bikram would eventually stand trial for all his alleged crimes. Mickey's lawsuit would set a useful precedent. Carla asked her for just one thing. She made her promise not to settle out of court. She had to take Bikram to trial. This was a big ask. Mickey knew that Bikram was prepared to pay women thousands of dollars to keep silent, and she was a single mom, stranded in L.A. without family. Preparing for a court case would take time and money she wasn't sure she had. If she settled, she could use the money to give her daughter a stable home, but she would also be teaching her that powerful people can pay their way out of trouble. In her heart, Mickey knew Carla was right. So she agreed. A few months later, in July 2013, Mickey and Carla filed a lawsuit against Bikram. Mickey had hoped that her case would get to court that year. But legal processes take time. It wasn't helped by the fact that Bikram did everything he could to get out of appearing in court. Over three years, he went through seven different lawyers in an attempt to stall proceedings. But this didn't work entirely in his favor. The world had seen Bikram in the news, accused of sexual assault and discrimination. 
Celebrities started to distance themselves from hot yoga, and some of Bikram's most loyal followers turned their backs on him. As news of Mickey's lawsuit spread, more victims had the courage to come forward. Between 2013 and 2015, six women launched sexual assault lawsuits against Bikram. But not everyone was ready to give up on their spiritual guru so easily. While they waited for justice, both Mickey and Sarah Bond found themselves ostracized by some members of the community they had dedicated their lives to. Old friends refused to return their calls. On social media groups dedicated to Bikram's teachings, they were accused of being gold diggers. Many felt that Mickey and Sarah were betraying a good man who had given them everything. Eventually, Sarah walked away from the hot yoga world and stopped practicing, but she had no regrets. Bikram's spellbinding hold over her was broken. And when she saw him giving a CNN interview in April 2015, she couldn't believe she had ever respected him. Thinning hair slicked back, wearing a tight, shiny black t-shirt, Bikram pleaded his innocence. When asked if he'd had sex with any of the six alleged victims, he denied it, and said that if he wanted to have sex with a woman, he didn't need to assault them. Millions of women all over the world would line up for the chance to sleep with him. When he was asked if he had ever had sex with any other students, he answered yes and no. He said that in the past, students had threatened to take their own lives if he didn't sleep with them. When CNN asked his lawyers for evidence of this, they advised Bikram not to give out any names. CNN also revealed that the six sexual assault lawsuits against Bikram would be civil cases, not criminal cases. This meant that the state would not be pressing charges against the yoga master. The cases would only be between him and the alleged victims. The L.A. prosecutors claimed that their decision was based on a lack of corroborating evidence. Nine months after the interview aired, on the 5th of January 2016, Mickey's case against Bikram was the first to make it to a Los Angeles courtroom. Bikram was finally on the stand, and he had an answer for everything. When he was accused of firing Mickey because she was investigating claims of sexual harassment, he insisted that Mickey had resigned of her own free will. When it was suggested that he should pay damages to Mickey, he said he couldn't possibly afford to. He had spent millions of dollars in legal bills over the last three years, and his business had taken a battering. He was practically bankrupt. When he was asked why he couldn't just sell his vast collection of classic cars to raise the money, he started to tell an elaborate story of how he had made a deal with the governor of California. The cars were gifts to the state to help fund a new school, the Bikram Auto Engineering School for Children. As members of the jury began to laugh at his tall tale, Bikram launched into a rant, claiming he was the victim of a witch hunt. Over the next three weeks, the trial descended further into a farce. At one point, Bikram tried to win the jury over by regaling them with one of his favorite tales, one that Mickey knew well. 
He told them that he was a powerful healer and that he had even healed President Richard Nixon once in Hawaii. But he was forced to change his story again when the claims were investigated. Nixon's presidential library had no record of the president even visiting Hawaii at that time. And there was more humiliation to come. As the case gained national attention, yoga masters who had trained with Bikram in India began to cast further doubt on his credentials. It seemed he had stolen his unique series of 26 poses from his old master, Bishnu Ghosh. They weren't his creation at all. The trial reached its conclusion on the 26th of January. That morning, Mickey walked nervously into court, flanked by Carla and her legal advisors. If she lost this case, then she was sure Bikram would pursue her for the costs he had incurred, and it was money she didn't have. Bikram arrived surrounded by his family and a mob of reporters. Convinced that he would be exonerated, Bikram played up to the cameras, offering his legal team a thumbs up as he took his seat. Bikram and Mickey were invited to stand by the judge as the foreman read out the verdict. The jury unanimously ruled that Mickey had been subjected to sexual harassment, non-payment of wages, and wrongful dismissal. Cries of delight filled the court from Mickey's small group of supporters, but Bikram did not stay to hear more. He turned tail and ran out of the courtroom, pursued by the media, while the judge told Mickey he was awarding her $6.4 million in compensation. Outside on the court steps, she thanked her legal team, but reminded the press that the fight for justice was not over. This was a good start. But the women who claimed they had been assaulted by Bikram still needed their day in court. Unfortunately, they were to be denied that right. Shortly after the trial concluded, Bikram's wife, Rajeshree, announced that she had divorced her husband of 32 years. This meant that all of Bikram's assets had been transferred into Rajeshree's name, out of Mickey's reach. Some people saw this as an understandable reaction to the many allegations against her husband, while others wondered if it might be a sham divorce designed to make Bikram look penniless. Either way, worse was yet to come. In May 2016, Bikram fled the USA and vowed never to return. Despite there being a warrant out for his arrest, Bikram has been on the run ever since and has not paid Mickey what she's owed. With little hope of getting Bikram back in court, Sarah and several other accusers have since accepted modest settlement deals to allow them to move on with their lives. So far, Bikram hasn't faced criminal charges for any of the alleged sexual assaults. Little by little, Mickey managed to rebuild her life around her. In December 2016, a judge ruled that all income from Bikram's studio franchises and intellectual property patents would be handed over to Mickey. She may not have received any compensation, but she now controls Bikram's yoga empire. And then, in the spring of 2020, Mickey was preparing dinner when she received a phone call. A Miami police officer had followed up on a tip that Bikram's family were hiding luxury cars in shipping containers. 
Officials seized 22 rare luxury vehicles, including 12 Rolls Royces, which were Bikram's pride and joy. Mickey smiled as she told the officers she planned to sell the whole lot at auction. Many miles away, on a white, sandy beach in Mexico, Bikram Chowdhury heard the news. The 76-year-old guru, dressed in only a small pair of black briefs, took out his frustration on the hundreds of students who had gathered outside the luxury hotel to receive his training. His class was made up of people from across the world who had paid thousands to attend the teacher training seminar. Bikram Yoga Studios may have abandoned his name, but some were still willing to seek him out to learn his 26-step routine, despite all the press. At the time of recording, Bikram continues to deny any wrongdoing. Thanks for listening. You can find all episodes of Whistleblowers and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. We'll be back next week with a new episode about the world's biggest lies and the people who expose them. For more information on Bikram Chowdhury, amongst the many sources we used, we found the Guardian article, The Scandal That Rocked Bikram Yoga, by Richard Godwin, extremely helpful to our research. If you've been affected by sexual violence, know that you aren't alone. Free, confidential support is available 24-7 through RAIN's National Sexual Assault Hotline at 800 656 4673 and online.rain.org. That's online.rain.org. Whistleblowers is a Spotify original for Parcast, produced in partnership with Stable. Executive produced by Drew Cole, Max Cutler, Becky Jacobs, and David McGuire. Developed for podcast by Julian Waroe. Written by Hannah Henderson and Alice Homewood. Produced by Alice Homewood. Mix, mastered, and sound designed by Rowan Bishop for Stable. And hosted by me, Pat Rodriguez.